Hello and welcome to Fertility Springboard, the podcast series brought to you by Fertility Help Hub. I'm Eloise, founder of Fertility Help Hub, and over the series I will be bringing you conversations with some of the most influential and inspiring professionals and experts around the world to arm you with useful and empowering thoughts and resources to ease your fertility journey. And don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on anything. It's packed full of inspiring interviews, resources, discounts and offers, competitions and real life stories. I'm very pleased to be welcoming my guest today, Mel Johnson from The Stork and I. Welcome, Mel. Thank you. Lovely to have you here today. And uh, for anyone listening, Mel is a fertility coach and an advocate of solo parenting, which is doing it solo without a partner. So we're going to be talking about everything um, that comes with that, decisions and uh, things that you have found throughout your own personal journey, and then leading on to how you help support other people who are contemplating this decision or doing it. So the first thing I want to ask you is, how did you make the final decision to stop looking for a man or for other people, a partner, um, and proceed solo? So the way I made the decision is what I now call the baby calculator. So I think loads of women um, will probably have done this. Um, So you know when you think, okay, well, I'm single now. If it takes me, say, six months to meet someone, and then I want to be with them for maybe two years before I try to have a baby, and then maybe it'll take me six months to conceive, and then nine months of pregnancy, what age would I be? And it got to the point where I was like, if I go out tonight and meet someone and get pregnant, (laughs) I'm still going to be older than I would hope to be when I have a a child. And so I've been saying, I'm just going to wait another six months. I'm just going to wait another six months. And at, at some point I thought, there are no more six months if I want to do this. The, the risk of missing out on motherhood altogether is getting too great. And, um, you know, that, that was the ultimate thing I, I didn't want to do. So that's when I made the final decision. Okay, I'm just going to go for it. And of course, that decision is different to, for everyone, but we all have the same biological clock. So do you mind me asking what age it was when you decided that that was going to be your decision? Yeah, I was 36 when I finally decided to go for it. And then I was 37 when I had the actual um, egg collection. Thank you for that. Uh, And when you made that decision, did you feel pressure from society to follow a more conventional route? It's a really interesting question because if you would have asked me at the time, I would have said no. Um, I thought that the pressure was coming from biology and my biological clock. Um, However, after reading more and doing some research and just some reflection on it, um, actually, quite frankly, yes, I did feel pressure from society. And I think it's because all of the films I was watching, all of the books I was reading, all of the media articles I was reading, all portray happily ever after. 
as meeting a partner, settling down, having a child together. Um, and I think single women are portrayed negatively in the media. They're portrayed more as a Bridget Jones type. There's headlines such as heartbroken, desperate. Um, you know, it's like they're not fulfilled if they haven't met someone. Um, and everything was sort of leading to the point of thinking that the only route was um, the more traditional route of meeting someone and, and doing this as a couple. Um, and it's only by reading a lot more about it that I think, yes, I did feel that pressure. Whereas in reality, there are other options, one of which I have now followed, um, which brings its own benefits. And I talk about having my own fairy tale ending, um, which may not be what I originally thought and may not be as traditional, but is equally as positive. And do you feel like people um, cast judgments or have opinions about the route that you've chosen now that your daughter's here or has that sort of subsided? I had a big fear that people would cast judgment and they they did much less than I thought they would. So um, the vast majority of people I told and I've done a lot of interviews on it have been so supportive. Um, and so I think the anticipation and the fear of what people would think was a lot greater than the reality. Um, so out of my entire friendship group um, and most of the media stuff I've done, I've had only positive um, I, there's one friend who so, so strongly disagreed with the decision that he um, is not in my life anymore Are which you is serious? what, what yeah. I can't understand what he would feel was negative about what you decided to do I think the sad thing is he's never really explained it to me he didn't give the opportunity to have a discussion about it. He just said he absolutely fundamentally disagreed with it. Um, so I don't know what the details are of exactly what he disagreed with. I think it was about him feeling that you shouldn't bring a child into the world without the opportunity to know who their father is. Um, so yeah, that is sad. Um, but you know, you can't please everyone with your decisions all of the time. So I think um, the, the, everybody else in my life um, was wholeheartedly supportive. That's amazing. But I feel as though, and correct me if I'm wrong here for making this or, or having these thoughts, but it's not hugely different from being divorced and parenting on your own without um, the father in the life, for example, or like any donor conceived child having some sort of curiosity about what biologically that donor might look like or be like I mean how do you feel it's different to those other scenarios yeah I think in terms of the second scenario of a heterosexual couple using donor sperm to conceive um, it's no different um, the only difference would be that um, that person has a father figure in their life um, so or I guess you would say a father in their life um, but genetically um, it's no different but my daughter has plenty of male role models in her life so um, I don't think there's a difference from that point of view the first example um, of single motherhood, it's more that that child knows their father. They get an opportunity, depending on the circumstance, to grow up with the father in their lives. It's just that um, the parents aren't still together. So I think that is quite different. Uh, but donor conception, no matter whether it's from a solo parent or um, a couple, yeah, the, 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 it would be the same. 
And who who do you need in your support network when becoming or thinking about becoming a solo parent? So I I do think it depends on you. Um, What for me, what I say is that you need a local network of people. So people who live close by that can you know, help with um, a drop off or a pickup if they need to um, can come round and support you can be there in an emergency. And also just there for company and support. Um, And then um, what I have is I had spoken to my mum about this. And um, she had said that she would support me. So she's my like core support where she'll sometimes do an overnight and she'll sometimes do, uh, you know, a whole day and she'll just give me a bit of a break, um, which for me makes a massive difference. Now I know lots of women who don't have that um, and they manage, but it's, it's not easy. So the more people you've got to support and be there, um, the, the easier it is. So It just depends on your personal preference on, you know, I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are helping me, which is great. And it just makes it a lot easier for me. Definitely. And um, did you do something? Did you do NCT when you were pregnant? I did. I actually took my mum to NCT classes with me. So she was my birth partner and I wanted her to come and help prepare together. Um, It was brilliant. I'm so glad I did it. I really encourage anyone who's doing this solo um, to to go to antenatal classes because the support network I got at the classes is invaluable. We're constantly still now messaging each other and, you know, they will probably ask our WhatsApp group before they ask their partner, quite frankly, a lot of the questions, you know, about the children. So, um, yeah, that group and the support I got from that group was really invaluable. And how have you met other women um, who have been doing the same thing in solo parenting? Or men? Yeah, so I've got two main ways. So I've got my own Facebook group called the Stork and I Mum Tribe. Um, and on the Facebook group, we have local WhatsApp groups. So everyone who lives in a specific area can join their local WhatsApp group. And then um, we've, you know, we chat to each other and then we do meetups. So I've got, I live in Manchester. I'm on a Manchester Solar Mums WhatsApp group. And we have, um, when we can, meetups. Um, so I've, I've made some friends that way. And then the second way I have met people is um, an app called Frolo. So Frolo is a an app for single parents and some of them are solo mums, so by choice, and others are single parents um, through separation. Um, and you meet people again in your local area. Um, and on Monday night, for example, one of the girls I met on there came around to my house for dinner and drinks after my daughter had gone to bed. So um, really great to have people in similar circumstances that you can hang out with that really get what you're going through. That sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And um, this question, um, I personally don't feel it is, um, but you, you said your friend did. Um, do you think it's a selfish decision to bring a child into the world with no father figure? I mean, I think that the decision to become a parent is a selfish decision. You know, people don't make the choice to become a parent for the good of humanity. They, they want to be a parent. And I think that any woman's desire to be a mum 
is the same regardless of their relationship status. So my desire to become a mum is the same as any of one else's. I just happen to not be in a relationship. Um, and so I considered long and hard whether it was fair to a child to bring them into the world without knowing who their father was. Um, and I do quite a number of things to make sure that they won't be impacted by it. So they have a lot of um, role models in their life. So they're, you know, they have a lot of male and female, but I'm very specific to make sure that they have male role models in their life. Um, and the second thing is I did use a release ID donor so that when they're 18, they will be able to get the details of the donor. So um, they do know that in the future that they'll be able to, um, you know, have the contact details and if they have a desire to contact that donor. And, and I will just talk to my daughter about very openly, um, you know, the process and what happened and the situation and talk through any concerns that she might have. Um, so I hope that I'm putting all the steps in place that it doesn't have a negative impact on her. Great. And we'll talk about the donor conception um, and picking a donor in a minute. But before we do, I don't know whether this has happened since she's been born or, or your thoughts about it. But if you were to meet someone or if you're actively wanting to meet someone, um, what is that like as a solo mother? I think that there's elements that become easier and there's elements that are harder so when I was um, single and dating there was an absolute time pressure to meet somebody um, and so when I was dating um, I would meet someone and you know ridiculously on a first date I would be thinking could you be the father of my child because time is is there you feel under time pressure and um that doesn't make it easy to date. And so after having um, my daughter, that time pressure is lifted. And so when you're dating, you are just thinking, do I connect with this person? Do I want a second date? Not, are they going to be the father of my child? So in some ways it's easier because the time pressure has been lifted. Um, I think I have dated since um, Daisy's been born. And I think particularly at the beginning, I found it easier. Now she's two and a half. Um, there are other challenges to dating. Um, so it's like, when would you introduce her to somebody? Um, the practical side of, you know, how would you even get time to go on a date? My mum knows way too much about my dating life because I have to, have you know, ask, ask her for, to babysit and then you know, if lo and behold, I wanted to stay overnight somewhere, do you know, it just get, gets a little bit complicated. So yeah, in some ways it's easier because definitely the time pressure's lifted. Um, but there's some other challenges, mainly around how you would um, introduce someone to your, to your child. And I guess that's probably where your support network of other people who are going through and, and doing something similar comes into play because you can bounce it off each other in terms of um, the discussions you've been having and how you manage that. Absolutely. We have a Wednesday night um, Zoom call with solo mums and we started it um, during the COVID lockdown because we were all, um, you know, a lot of us were struggling on our own. And it so many times turns to dating and, you know, how have people managed it and what tips have people got and how did people do stuff. So, yeah, um, it's brilliant having that support network of people who are in the same situation um, to, to get advice from. Yeah. Absolutely great. Um, <clears throat> now going 
back to um, before she was conceived and the process. How did you choose between IUI and IVF? So for me, it was um, quite a personal choice um, and there was a number of reasons for my choice. So I went straight to IVF. Um, reason being, I lived in Budapest when I was um, deciding to have treatment. And I and in Hungary, you couldn't get treated as a single woman using donor sperm at that time. It might have changed now. So I was flying back to the UK for treatment. And because I was flying back, I thought IVF would just be easier um, in terms of managing the dates and the times and you can have a bit more control around when things happen. Um, and then secondly, the, um, the success rate for IVF is so much higher than IUI. I decided that because I could afford IVF, I would rather try to limit the amount of disappointments I might have, which could possibly have been higher using IUI, um, just for my own emotional um, stability. Uh, I thought, let me just give myself the best chance the first time. So that was sort of the two key reasons that I chose IVF straight away. Yes, exactly. I guess the, the pros to IUI are that um, it is cheaper and it's less invasive. But as you said, you don't know how many times it might take. Um, and it depends on where you're located and whether you're working or not. And all sorts of other factors come into play, don't they? And I think your age is a big factor that comes yeah. into play. And I was um, 37 by that time. And just statistically, you know, it, it, you have a better chance with IVF. So, um, yeah. And did it work first time for you? So I had one round of IVF and I created three embryos from that round. And then the first transfer um, resulted in a negative pregnancy test. And then the second transfer um, is my daughter. Wow. So when you had that first um, failed round, how, how, what were the emotions that came with that? And how did you pick yourself up and try again? So I was hugely disappointed, but... At the same time, again, because I'd done IVF and knew I had two more embryos, I thought, well, do you know what? I've still got two more chances for this to be successful. So it did help that I had the two other embryos. Um, and it did take me a bit of time. So I didn't, I know quite a few people just do um, one after the other. I actually waited about nine months before I did my second um, transfer. And I just, got myself into a better headspace. So I was eating healthily, I wasn't drinking, I was exercising, I felt physically and mentally in a good place. Um, and then I felt ready to go again. So I just focused on really taking care of myself, getting myself into a better place, and then feeling like the time was right to try again. That's exactly like me. Um, I felt like we rushed into our first round of IVF very, very quickly after my husband's failed microtesi um, operation. And um, with that fail, the first round fail with donor sperm came huge, huge upset and disappointment and concerns that I didn't have before about whether there might be an issue on my side. But then having that space to regroup and to concentrate on nutrition and mental well-being and yeah just go go back a step to then before then trying again really helped me too um because there often is a desire to get back in the saddle isn't there 
Yeah, and I don't know if you're the same, but I know about myself that I'm quite a control freak. And what made me feel a lot better is there are, you're out of control in this process, but there are some elements that you can control and your nutrition and your lifestyle and, you know, some of those things are in your control. And it just made me feel a little bit better that I was putting myself back in control of of those things. Um, Psychologically for me, I think that's super important. And so I felt much more in control of it the second time. Totally, totally get that. Yeah, that resonates with me too. Thinking about working and finances and having a career, can you still have a career if you choose the path to solo motherhood or parenthood? Yeah, so certainly what I've personally found is I can. Um, So I um, had a global HR role um, as I went on maternity leave. My career is important to me and I wanted to make sure that I could still do it. Um, It's difficult, um, as I'm sure a lot of working mums would say, to get the right balance. Um, But I do feel like I'm constantly learning and tweaking things, but I have got a really good balance. So Um, I um, went back after maternity on four days a week rather than five so that I get an extra day with my daughter. Um, She's in nursery um, for those four days at the moment. And um, yeah, it's hard. There's a lot to juggle. But for me, having my career is an important part of my identity. I want to be a mum and I want to be um, successful in my career. And um, during my maternity leave, I actually started um, my own business, The Stork and I, um, so was doing everything in parallel. Um, I don't like to make it easy for myself. So, um, it, it, you know, I, but I think what it shows is if you want to do something, you can. Um, I think I pretty much don't watch any TV. I don't have much downtime, but I... I don't mind that. The things I do, I prioritize. Um, There's a really good book actually called I Know How She Does It by Laura Vanderkam. And I read that book and thought, yep, I can do it. Um, This is how successful women balance everything. And I got loads of tips from that. And like I say, I'm constantly learning and tweaking things and evolving it. But um, personally for me, I've, I've managed it. So inspiring, so inspiring. And that leads me to the next question. On top of all of this and all the things you've just said, have you and would you consider having another child with your remaining embryo if it was to be successful? Yeah, I think, you know, in a dream world, I would love to. I think as I was growing up, I always presumed I would have two children. Um, But at the moment, as it stands, when I've reflected on it, I think I would be taking on too much. I think it would make my life extremely difficult. Practically is probably the first thing, then financially and then emotionally. Um, So as it stands at the moment, solo, I think it's probably not for me. I know plenty of other women who have had two children solo, but yeah, just where I am, I, I don't think I could make it work at the moment. Fair enough. And what's been the hardest part um, so far of being a single mother? 
I would say the hardest part is for me is the practical side of things. Um, so what I often think about is I take my daughter up for bath time, do bath time, bedtime, come back downstairs. Sometimes at the moment it's 20 past eight, half past eight. And all the dishes are out from where we've cooked mm. dinner. All of the toys are scattered everywhere. Like, I just think, oh, I've got to start everything now. And it's quite late and I'm tired. And um, in my fantasy land, it would be lovely that if someone was here, that they could have maybe done that. We could divide and conquer a little bit more. So it's hard to maintain a house and a job and do the mother side of things. Like, just the practical element for me is probably the hardest. I think a lot of other women worry about the emotional side, but I have an amazing support network and I feel like I get really good support on on that. So it's more of the day-to-day managing everything that I find the hardest. Absolutely. I guess in a dream world, you'd like to come down or have a bath, wouldn't you? And then come down and, and your um food be on the table and cooked for you oh my god i mean if we're if we're talking dream world that sounds amazing so i'll just go and have a nice bubble bath and come down to a glass of wine and the thing is i think a lot of people in partnerships would say yeah that doesn't happen to us either (laughs) no no and i guess there are also other elements when which we can talk about in a minute like for example picking a donor or the arguments and the the pressures that come with a relationship with children as well like who's doing what and and those sorts of things it doesn't always um, I'm sure many people find fall into place um, as you would ideally hope in terms of dividing and conquering and a lot of kind of competitiveness around who's more tired and who's got what to do but I think that's just the case with any kind of parenthood isn't it You know, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on this lately and I've actually come to the conclusion that I would have been really bad doing this in a partnership. I think partly because I've been single for quite a long time, like for the best part of 10 years, give or take a few romances here and there. Um, I just think I would have struggled with a lot of the things you've said. I think I would have always thought someone wasn't pulling their weight enough. Um, There's there's a lot of things that I think I, I may have struggled with, especially if I'd only recently met somebody so you know like I was thinking oh I'll give myself six months to meet someone well in that case you wouldn't have been dating them for very long before potentially trying for a baby that doesn't give you a great foundation for a relationship and I know some people have managed this and it's been brilliant but for me I actually think I might have struggled more with 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 some of the elements of doing it in a partnership than I have with doing it on my own absolutely I can totally totally appreciate that and and going back to picking a sperm donor what was the process like of picking a sperm donor and how did you decide between anonymous and versus open So for me, I um, used a clinic that had their own sperm bank. So the process was very simple because they don't have a massive selection. Um, I filled out a questionnaire which had physical characteristics and um, I had a selection of two, both who had written a letter that said around um, why they were donating and... um, 
I just chose the one that like spoke more to me, uh, but they were both, you know, lovely reasons for donating. Um, so I didn't think too much about the process. I, I, I thought I'm never going to know them. I'm never really going to know what they're like. Uh, so in the end of the day, uh, they both have given really nice reasons for donating. Let me just choose the one that I think is most suitable for me. I know other women have spreadsheets and waiting criteria and hundreds of options and and actually I think that would have stressed me out more um, than just having the two to choose from so I'm quite pleased that 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 was the way the clinic I was with did it um, and then I think my understanding is in the UK you have to choose the release ID donor so if you're having treatment in the UK now the legislation says that it has to be um, where you can give the child the details when they're 18 so but but that was important for me as well because I want to be able to give Daisy um, the information should she be curious when as she's growing up. And were you able to see pictures of the donor? What were the options when you were looking between the two? No, um, for me it was very limited information. It was it was just hair colour, eye colour, height, build. Um, you know, there wasn't much more than that, I think, occupation. Um, so I think if you go to the big American sperm banks, that's where you can get baby photos, adult photos, voice notes, um, emotional intelligence test results, like you can get the whole remit. Um, and I know that that gives some people more comfort because they feel like they know more about the donor. But personally, for me, um, I still felt that I would never really know the donor. One of the things I liken it to is I have done a lot of internet dating in my time and I'm an absolute optimist and so every time I met someone online I think this guy has definitely got really good potential, like everything looks good, I think we're going to have a good connection, I'm excited and then you would get there and you'd be like, no, that's not who I imagined it to be. And in my mind, that's also what I was thinking when I was choosing a sperm donor. I will never really know what this person is like. Therefore, let me just go on the information I've got and make the best decision I can. Um, and yeah, it's limited information. There's not a lot of information there. Absolutely. And I guess um, I always talk about this on Fertility Help Hub with different people um, and experts and people's personal stories um, on the lives, etc. Picking a donor, whether it's an egg or sperm donor, is probably a very diff different experience depending on your situation. So, for example, in my situation, picking a sperm donor with um, a partner who is um, categorically unable to have his own children genetically it was a very um sad process for us um because purely because we were grieving his on he was grieving his genetics um and trying to find someone he was very keen to find someone who almost replicated him the best possible in personality and looks and now that our children are here, none of that matters to us. But at the time, it was a real concern in terms of the grieving process. Um, whereas I guess if you're not trying to match someone, there may be less pressure to pick that person or to make the right decision because you don't have any anyone to compare it to, I would imagine. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's probably a completely different experience. When you're picking physical characteristics, you may be thinking, this is the sort of person I'd usually date or, um, you know, this is the sort of characteristics that, you know, if I can choose, then this is what I would choose. Um, But I do imagine it's quite a different process and it can be a very positive process, a very empowering process because for a single woman, this is the opportunity to make this happen, um, you know, on your own. So, so I, I, I fully understand what you're saying. I think it's probably, um, yeah, it feels very different. Was it an exciting process for you? It was an exciting process because I'd been, um, thinking about it for so long. Finally taking the step to do it did feel empowering and thinking, yes, you know, I'm going to do this. I want to follow my dreams. I want my dream of becoming a mum to give myself a chance of being able to realise that. So, yeah, I did feel excited and hopeful. Amazing. That's so inspiring for other people to hear who are thinking about this route. And five things you wish you'd known before you became um, a solo mother by choice. Okay, so I wish that I'd known someone else who had already done it. So the power of speaking to someone who's already done this, I have found so beneficial. And I didn't know anybody else. Um, never, I didn't know anyone at all, never mind in real life. I didn't know anyone in the media or online. Um, so yeah, knowing someone else who'd done it would have been super helpful. Can people join your group before they've gone down this route if they just have some questions and want to find out more about it yeah exactly so it's full of people who are considering solo motherhood um, as well as some who are already there and so that's the ideal opportunity to meet people who've already done it and I think that's what the whatsapp groups are for because online you can ask questions you can get advice but then on the whatsapp groups you can actually organize to meet people and talk it through so um definitely um would advise to do that and i'll include links to those on here as well so that if people are interested and want to know more they can contact you about it great I think the second thing I wish I'd have known is more about the process itself. It was a complete unknown to me. So I didn't know really what the options were. It was all very alien. Um, So I wish I would have had uh, more information about different resources that tells you um, more about the process. Yes, definitely. One thing I wish is that I'd read the book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. That was single-handedly one of the biggest sort of game changers for me. It really helped me change my view of being single and put it in a much more positive light and help me see things completely differently. So for anybody who is struggling with the idea of doing this on their own and struggling to let go of the idea of doing it in a couple that book the unexpected joy of being single was really helped me to to see things differently um I wish I would have known about the hashtags on social media. So I wasn't on Instagram or Facebook. And if you look at, you know, solo mum, solo mum by choice, solo mother, all of those things, you can find so many people now who've done this same process and you can, um, you know, learn so much through them. I've actually done an Instagram challenge this month called Solo Mother Stories. 
so inspiring to learn how everyone else has done things and so many other people who've gone through the process. So yeah, I wish I'd have known that when I was going through it. And then the final one is, was, is just a top tip. I wish I would have known that you didn't need to buy your fertility drugs from the clinic. So in the UK, ASDA do a not-for-profit fertility drug um, scheme. And when the clinic give you your prescription, you can get the um, drugs from anywhere. And so you can shop around to see if they're cheaper. And I know some women have saved a lot of money by doing that. So yeah, I wish I'd known that as well. Great advice. Thank you. And finally, any regrets? Uh, the one thing I regret is worrying so much what other people thought. Um, just for no other reason that it caused me, you know, anxiety. And I wish I would have just been able to put that to one side and just think, what do I want? What's right for me? And not worry so much about what others thought. Uh, but apart from that, I think everything happens exactly as it was meant to for me. Um, and this was definitely the right route for me. Absolutely. And we, we've talked a bit um, about the difficulties or, or the kind of cons, if you like, of doing it on your own. Um, what would you say the pros are? So the advantages of doing it solo are you get to choose the things yourself. I chose my daughter's name. I chose how I parent her. I chose I chose how to decorate a nursery, you know, all of those, you know, small things you, and some big things, you know, how to parent her. I don't have to negotiate with anybody, which for me being a control freak is a good thing. Um, I Amazing. think <laughs> um, the other advantage is I only had to build and work on my relationship with my daughter. There was no one else who, who I needed to worry about. And just very selfishly, I feel like, that made me be able to really dedicate all my time to me and my daughter um, and not have to think, oh, is, you know, is my partner okay? Am I spending enough time with them? Um, so I, I think um, having spoken to women who have done it with a partner, some people have found it quite difficult of their relationship with their partner has changed. And, and, and you do have to maybe put quite a bit of effort into making sure that that relationship um you know works well still so I think it is an advantage not necessarily having to focus on that they're probably the two main advantages I would say I think that's great advice and I understand that because my husband and I are like ships in the night at the moment and we're working so so hard on our jobs and the children that almost our relationship suffers as a consequence because where is the time like how do you fit it all in um and yeah with 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 the with having children comes as you know lots of wake-ups in the night and not knowing where you're gonna end up sleeping and all sorts of things so it's very much a juggling act as you say and I, I read something on Instagram the other day where someone said, I'm a miserable old cow. And it made me laugh because I thought, yes, I think that would have been me. You know, when you're really tired and you're feeling a bit grumpy and you're miserable, um, I think it, it can be very easy for that to put a strain on the relationship. So I didn't have to worry about any of that. I could be miserable on my own and no one needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so advice for people asking whether they should be a solo mother by choice or, or contemplating this 
So I think if you're contemplating it, I would suggest a few things. I would, first of all, I would suggest going for a fertility MOT. Um, so going to a clinic or you can get um, online ones um, just to give yourself a bit more information about what's going on. Um, so, so I think that's one thing. Um, financially, so it's around, if, if this is something you want to do, making sure you are in the best financial position, saving as much money as you possibly can. I know women who have got a second job or downsized their house or you know anything, moved in with their parents, anything that they needed to do to get themselves in the best financial position. Um, and then I would you know research, speak to other women who've done it, um, get advice. One thing you can absolutely do if you're considering it is come on the coaching course I run so I do a group coaching course called choosing solo it's for 10 women considering solo motherhood to come on all together and just work through the different aspects of it some of the emotional aspects some of the process itself and the options you've got and then some of the practical aspects and I think one of the most powerful things um, from the feedback of that is uh, it's amazing meeting some inspiring women in the same situation, having the same concerns and working through it together. So that's definitely a good starting point. And then I always think decide is not having children an option for you. Because if you can't see yourself with a life without children, um, then start looking at if you're single, is this then a possibility for you? Some women don't want to have children unless they can meet a partner. And I totally understand that. It's completely personal preference. So it's around deciding, can you see yourself with a life without children? And if you really can't, then taking action to try to make sure that that doesn't happen. That's great advice. And um, as I said, the links are here so that people can uh, speak to you directly about this incredible support network and coaching that you offer. So thank you for that. And the final thing I want to ask you, which I'm sure lots of people would also want to know thinking about this, what do you and will you say to Daisy um, about daddy and the conversations about how she was conceived? So she already knows that she hasn't got a dad. So she's got a little best friend at nursery and she talks about her friends, mummy and daddy, but she says, you know, Daisy's just got a mummy and she's got granny and granddad. So um, I already talked to her about it. She's only two and a half. So, you know, the, the understanding is quite basic at the moment but I there's lots of resources available um, to discuss donor conceptions so I use the donor conception network book um, and there's another book called happy together um, that I use which tell the story of donor conception from a, um, a single woman to become a solo mum and she, she you know she she can recite it I don't know if she deeply understands it um, but as she grows up I will just continue to evolve that story and then I've created a book called My Family which Amazing. has got her and myself on the front cover and then pictures of all my family and I um, 
talk about an extended family. So I've got my relatives and then I've got my friendship group that I think of as family. And we go through everybody and talk about them and that part of our family and who they are. And then at the back, it's got some of the limited information we've got about the donor. And I talk about who a donor is and the gift that they gave um, to allow me to have a child. And um, yeah, as she gets older, I can just continue that conversation being very open about it. Um, and just generally talking about diversity of family is important to me. So all of the different types of family and being inclusive for everyone's different situation, you know, I'll, I'll absolutely be discussing that with her at length. Absolutely. I find the same thing when I talk to my eldest about donor conception, you know, she'll take a little bit in and then I'll say, what did we just talk about? And she'll say, I don't know. Can I have an ice cream? <laughs> exactly. So, and that's phase three. But I just feel like you, that the more we can start these conversations with helpful books, resources and make it even even to familiarize ourselves with how the discussion might go it really helps, doesn't it? It does. And, I, and I'm also having conversations with some of my friends about how they want to explain it to their children because they've got older children who are already asking questions and I need to equip them with the language to be able to explain it to their children. So it is a bit of education for, you know, a lot of people, not, not just me and Daisy, actually. Mm, absolutely. Did you have? Did you ever have anyone say anything to you? Ridiculous comments like, "Why don't you just go and have a one night stand or something like that?" I've literally written a whole piece about what not to say to a single woman considering solo motherhood. So um, yes, a one night stand would be so much cheaper. Um, people trying to reassure you by saying, "You know, you don't need to do this yet. You've got plenty of time." even though I was 36, like, unless they're a qualified fertility doctor, I feel like they're not in a position to tell me that. Um, So all coming from a good place and trying to be supportive and reassuring and possibly a bit tongue in cheek, um, but not really understanding the detail and, and probably not the best advice. No, no. Well, I'd be very intrigued to read that. So thank you so much for sharing everything with us today, Mel. You're an absolute um, inspiration. I don't know how you managed to fit it all in, Um, but uh, people can contact you directly from here. And it was great to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 